I would like to start a short series. I hesitate to even say that because I don't know what I'll do next week, but I'd like to believe I'll start a series. I would like to start a series on offense, something I've been praying about for a couple of months. I've had notes down, and I think, let's roll. We live in a time when so many people are offended by things. Both people in the world, people in the church, people can get offended. The Bible says this about believers in Ephesians 5.16, that we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. Offense, if you were to look up offense in a biblical sense, the word used in the Bible for a great deal of offense is this, the mental picture. It is a stick which is used to support a dead drop trap. If you've ever seen that, a dead drop is where there is a stick there, there's a heavy object, and there's bait under it. And whatever the prey is that bumps into the stick, then, then the weight falls on it. And so I say this because as we talk about offense, as we talk about these things, keep in mind that the enemy is not out to play games. He's out to have you bump into the offense, to take it as far as it can go, and to leave you wounded, to leave you spiritually dying. That is what he wants. We live in a world where we can be offended by the world as Christians. We can be offended by circumstance. We can find ourselves always needing to be the judge in the situation. As a child, I loved the people's court. Loved it. And some of you may be like, what, a court show? There was one court show. It was the people's court. There were no other judges. There was Judge Wapner. Right? Dun, dun, dun. Like Judge Wapner. And people would show up, and I would just be obsessed. And I'd be sitting there, and I was the type of kid, like, I would be the attorney, and I'd be yelling at TV. Like, I knew what was right or wrong. And it was weird because I came to a place where I, I tended to think that all of our disagreements in life would have commercial breaks or Doug Llewellyn would show up at the end and ask, how do you think that went? How do you feel about the verdict? The Bible says this, 1 Corinthians 6, 2. If the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? It hurts. It hurts. Nothing can highlight the fact that this world is broken as much as a relationship with Jesus Christ. It can be so easy to point out sins, to be angry. But what if I told you that it is possible to walk free from offense? What if I told you that you have a choice in so many situations by the blood of Jesus Christ to choose offense or to not take it? There's a book. It was called Unoffendable. It was by a man named Brent Hansen. It was talking about the tension that exists in the world today and how offense can pull us in. And you might be sitting there and you might be thinking, how dare you? You don't know how crazy the people are in my life. Right? You don't know how the offense that I'm holding on to, how I came about it. Some of you may be sitting there and thinking, I'm not offended easily. I could say that. I'm not offended easily, unless it's about my wife or my kids, my office, my Jeep, my sermon, my, my whatever. Like, maybe I am offended easily. Who knows? But you can all think that you are not, but there come times when God's like, you know what? 
Take a look at that. Over the next few weeks, as we dig into the word, I may offend you. I'm not trying to. I'll speak the truth in love. It might sting sometimes. But the goal is to help you get past offenses in your life. So that title of no offense, none taken, you're going to be seeing for a couple of weeks. But before we get into any of that, you need to kind of clean things off. It's kind of like with the Jeep, you know, like when I go get in the mud with the Jeep and I want to get it detailed, you got to get the mud off of it before you can detail it. In the book of James 119, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Oh, man. When I read that, I'm like, but I like to speak. I don't like listening, and I get angry a lot. I would ask you, if those are our orders from God, how is the assignment going for you? It takes work. It's not one of those things that you just resolve on New Year's that you're just going to be, I'm going to just turn the page on that. It takes work because every situation may rear its head in a different way. We live in a world where people don't tend to listen, where they just want to talk. Evidence of that? Look at podcasts. Do you know why most of those people want to do podcasts? Because they want to sit and just say what they think and they don't want to hear anybody else talking. We live in a world where that can become the normal thing. Here's a Bible nerd fact. Do you know in the Gospels how many questions Jesus Christ was asked? 183 questions. Do you know how many of those questions he answers directly? Three. He himself asked others 307 questions. Why was that? Because he was slow to speak. Because he laid out a template that the very things that we read, that Jesus who walked this earth with annoying humans was able to do these things. And so if my Jesus did it, then he gives me the power to do it. I want to walk in a way where my anger does not take over my life. Think back with your life how things have been. A few years ago, Somebody cut you off in traffic, you'd probably be like, they're probably in a hurry. Now someone cuts you off in traffic, you are ready to go like demolition derby. You know it. Some of you may have done it on the way to church. I'll ask your kids. They'll tell me the truth. (laughs) We're in a time when if someone wouldn't have returned our call or our text, we'd be like, they're probably busy. But now you're like, how dare them? How unchristian of them. And I'm thinking, you did like voice to text through Siri. Like how much effort really was that on your part? As Christians, here's an ultimate test. The movie theater. Go with one of your believer friends to a movie. And if someone talks like 10 rows up, you know, they get the daggers. If someone talks to the movie, because some people do that, like, oh. I'm going to go get the usher. I'll have them kicked out. If somebody pulls out the Costco bag of nacho chips and starts eating right in the theater, and you're like, "Ah, 
It's a transgression. Like normal offenses have come to a place where they get us wired as believers and something needs to be done about it. We've seen it when hard times come. Some people will spend a great deal of mental energy and time on social media going off. Going off. And they get mad at you if you don't get equally as angry as they are. I mean, you saw it about things. Good Lord. Well, here's something. One day I went through someone who was particularly angry. And I wanted to find a post about God, Jesus, God's love, church, what's good happening in their lives, where their soul will end up for eternity. Do you know what I saw? I saw zero. But I saw 137 things ranting about from pro sports to vaccine, anti-vaccine, to politics, to this, to that. And I'm thinking, what are we doing? Because the truth of the matter is, if you have 56 friends on Facebook, they all think like you anyway, and all of you are reposting each other's memes, and you're just angry together. That's not lifting up the body. It's not building the body. It's not putting God's ideas forward. How often is it easier to talk about what we dislike than to talk about the Lord? At our church, we're a church that's built of life groups that we say. Life groups, a place to come together, to build one another up, to encourage one another. But when we get outside of church sometimes, we can kind of be like just bad attitude groups. You know, like, did you hear? Oh my gosh, I did. But did you hear everything? No, tell me. How effective is your anger? Really? When you have blown up about something, how did it work out for you? Have you ever had a mini tantrum and someone come up to you after and they're like, whatever you have, I must have it. (laughs) That that peace you're walking in, I, I must have this right now. Is it working for you in your walk? Or have you begun to incorporate some dysfunctional things and say that that's your walk? Something crazy happens. And just said in James 1.19, those three things that were told to us. Something that we're big about as a staff is the why. And so everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Here's the why in verse 20. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. There's an expectation of me to do what points to Jesus Christ in a positive light. My human anger, your human anger, will never point toward that. Now it's tough. There is righteous anger, and there is self-righteous anger. If you're the kind of person who will toss the Monopoly board when you're losing, and your favorite version of Jesus is turning tables over in the temple, you're not the same. There are times when you will enter a situation and righteous anger will well up inside of you. 
But if you read the accounts of Jesus, every room he entered, he did not throw a table. I'm saying this because there are two points that are in my heart that I want to share with you. Before I get there, keep in mind that it's easy to criticize a broken world. They aren't claiming to know Jesus, right? So they, how would they operate according to his playbook if they don't know him? But something I've noticed in myself is when I am calling out the sins of the world constantly, it's awfully convenient because then I don't have time to address my own transgressions. Again, in the next few weeks, I may say a thing or two. It may get under your skin. But to coin a phrase, we're all in this together. (laughs) I love it. Is your anger bringing more joy? When it comes to eternity, are you more interested in making a point or making a difference when it comes to the kingdom? In 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is freedom. You have the power within yourself to make a point, but you have the calling to make a difference. And it feels a lot different when you begin to walk in the way that God wants you to walk. There's a man in the Bible, he comes to Jesus, a very learned man, someone who you wouldn't just sit down with and have trivial conversation. And he asked Jesus a question. Jesus, what is the most important thing? What is it? Like, can you answer it? What is the most important thing? In Matthew 23, 22, 37, Jesus answers. The most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And you know what the second one is? The second one is just like that. The second one is love your neighbor as yourself. What's he asking of you? Everything. Everything. And the natural extension of pouring everything into God is loving the people that God made. And here's a pro tip. You don't have to be angry to do that. Again, is the world broken? Yeah. But 10 times out of 10, when I'm angry, I cannot access grace or mercy. I can't do it. If I'm over here angry and grace and mercy are over there, I cannot access them. And people aren't going to judge us by our intentions because they can't see them. They're going to judge us by our actions in this world. On Instagram, I like to watch reels. Do you know what I like to watch? I like to watch when people do dumb things and fall. I like to watch baby monkeys. I do. I don't know. One day baby monkeys came up. I kept watching. And I like to watch old school boxing videos. I know, random. Here's a truth. Not about the monkeys or the people falling, but about the fighters. The best fighters are never the angry ones. They always show these people it weigh in. And at weigh-in, you know, you'll have some people who just talk and nonsense to the other person, just in their face. And then they will fast forward to the actual fight, and you will see that person who is just all in their emotions getting knocked out. First responders, if you've ever been with a first responder who is on, they do not act out of emotion. They act out of their training. 
A good soldier doesn't act out of emotion. They act out of their training. It's the same thing when it comes to the spiritual battle. Are we acting out of emotion or are we acting out of the way that we have been equipped and trained to operate in this world? How many of you here have strong opinions? I do. Don't let your opinion overrule your calling. You're called to share the love of Jesus, to share the gospel of Jesus. Here's the first point I want to share with you. How do we get past offense? It's going to be a tough one to hear. Lower your expectations of other people in the name of Jesus. No, someone, no, someone's sitting here and they're like, but I expect more from the body of Christ. I'm not even going to look around because I don't want to make eye contact. <laughs> it might sound crazy to you, but here's what I'm saying in lowering your expectation. It is unfair to spend your time building pedestals to place people upon. That those pedestals are, in a sense, thrones. That there are thrones that Jesus Christ was meant to occupy and not man. It is unfair to expect man to take the place of Jesus Christ in any circumstance. And so when I say lower your expectations, I say quit taking the things that are dear to your heart and expecting man to meet those needs. You're robbing from God. You're robbing from relationship. Be willing to keep the thrones empty so that Jesus may have his rightful place on them. As we say in here at this church, the yes and no principle. If I'm saying yes to placing people on pedestals, then I'm saying no to all the things that God is trying to do in my life. The Apostle Paul tells Timothy, this son figure in his life, Timothy, here's what to expect, buddy. 2 Timothy 3.2. In the last days, People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of good. And Paul loved people. Timothy, check it out, man. People might let you down. Yeah, but you don't understand. Like, somebody didn't call me back this week, and it was really important. Your tendency and my tendency is to conform to a pattern of this world we live in. We have to fight to not conform to that pattern. Therefore, at any point, I could be any of those things that I just read off if I start acting like the world. Timothy, they're not Jesus. They're not perfect. They'll let you down. As a pastor, I'll let you down. Straight up. When that happens, I would ask that you not say that God's not real. I would ask that you wouldn't turn around and say church is a joke. I'd simply like you to give me the benefit of the doubt that maybe a trillion things were going on that day. And I'm just being real. And the same with the rest of the family. When things go down, I have an obligation to think the best of everybody here. To think, man, maybe it was just an off day. 
Give them space. Not too much, but give them space. Lowering your expectations of people doesn't mean writing them off. It means allowing God to take his proper place on the throne. You have a woman at a well. Here she is. She's been married five times. She's living with man number six. What does Jesus do? He doesn't walk up to her to say, I can't be close to you. He doesn't walk up to her to say, you're one of those people. He doesn't say, I need to get away from you. He doesn't say, I would love to minister to you right now, but I need to contract or contact my prayer group and I'll get back to you. No, right there in the moment, he addresses her. Her life changes. How many times do we read about people at wells in Jesus? This wasn't a daily thing. But it's how he's calling us to be. Think of those disciples who are walking around, and the disciples, as good as they were, asking questions. Jesus, who's your favorite? Jesus, who's going to be at your side? Jesus, Jesus. How annoying would that be? And Jesus responds in love to them because he knows they're just people. You think about Peter. I'm your guy. I'm your guy, Jesus. I'm your guy. Everybody else leaves, Jesus. I'm going to stay. In the end, Peter did pretty much the opposite of everything he swore he would do. And yet Jesus has that meeting and sets Peter on a path to begin destiny when he thought everything had been lost. That's the Jesus I serve. That's the Jesus that we need to emulate. Here's the second thing. The first was to lower your expectations of people. The second is to raise your gratitude for God's grace. If you're in here, usually not one that like, don't encourage people to toot their own horn, but raise your hand if you've never, ever, ever done anything wrong or sinned. Come on. Come on. Right? Some of you are looking around. (laughs) No, no, no one raised their hand. (laughs) We need to understand that we all need grace. I need it just as much now as I did when I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I need it daily. I haven't arrived. Paul said, it's about grace. It's about grace. It's by grace. It's not about works. Jesus didn't see my works and pick me. Good Lord. He wouldn't have picked me if it was about works. It was through his grace. It wasn't because I was good. It wasn't because I had it all together. It wasn't because I did everything right. I didn't have room to brag then, and I don't have room to brag now. I say that because there is a hurting world. There are people in this community that we say it's better in mentor or manner. We say it's better in manner. And there are things with mentor that aren't better.
addiction, it knows mentor. Talk about principalities and powers. Mentor is not exempt from having principalities and powers that are trying to work evil in places. By no means. We have an obligation to walk in grace so that people see it and say, what is that? I want it. I want it. Ella, I need, I need something. What? Thank you, Ella. What's in here? I don't know what it is. You know, your kids bring stuff to church. You don't want to embarrass them. You're just like, okay, it's a bag. Let's see what I got. Is it a kitten? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's a rock. It's like Charlie Brown. I got a rock. Let me set this right here. I don't want to minimize what anyone has gone through. There's some very real things that have happened in your life. But what I'm going to say is this. There's some of us who walk around knowing Jesus Christ, but we've got the rock in hand. Got the stone in hand. Jesus walks up and there is a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. To be caught in the act of adultery, you would have needed to have been with a man at that time. The man wasn't laying there about to get stoned. The woman was. Group of angry men circling her, stones in hand. When we talked about biblical stoning before, if you know how it works, it didn't work in a way that they ended you quickly. It worked in a way that they chose rocks that were just big enough to cause serious pain till you died. By the law at the time, these men could have thrown those stones and they could have killed that woman. But Jesus walks up and he changes the atmosphere. Bible doesn't say, and the Lord walked up and smacked the stones from their hands. Slow to speak. Quick to listen. Can't you just see Jesus like, see what's about to go down here? All things in order. How about we do it this way? He kneels down. He writes in the dirt. One by one, from oldest to youngest, the men with the stones drop the stones and walk away. Some would say, you can't read about it in the Bible, and there are scholars who go this way, believe that Jesus wrote the sins of those men down in the dirt. And the reason they walked away is because they were looking down and reading stuff they didn't want anyone to see. It just seems they're walking away like, But then he goes on to say, well, the one is without sin, cast the first stone. Spiritually speaking, this is the posture that a lot of us walk around with. It's unnerving, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of weird, me holding a stone up here, right? People are like, he may let go of that, he may fly in the front row. Well, I'm not going to use it. I just need it because. 
No, like I have given Jesus everything, but I'm just going to hold on to this just in case. What do you mean just in case? Well, anybody messes with my family, you're getting this. Just in case. If anybody talks about my church, just in case. What? He says something about Laverne? No, don't. You don't. You say something about Laverne, you're getting the rock. You're getting a piece of the curb. (laughs) This is a truth. And while some of us have gone through some incredibly hard things, by that, there are situations where there has been abuse. There are situations where a spouse has done their loved one wrong. There are situations where you may be right now in the middle of horrible betrayal. But when Jesus walked up to that mess that was a transgression, he approached it with grace. If we can take anything away today, it would be to approach every situation with the grace of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean downplay it. Jesus did not open his mouth and be like, she's not doing anything wrong. No. What he did was he let grace flow into the situation. The reason that I hold on to this stone, be transparent with you, is because I feel like my anger gives me the right. I feel like if I can frame up my anger in a godly way, then I can hold whatever stone I want. I can wing it at whoever I want. Because that's what I think righteousness is sometimes in my own heart. Closing on this. In the next few weeks... When we speak about offense, I would ask this, that you search your heart, that you ask God, God, what things are in here that I've just let fester? I just, I haven't wanted to deal with them because I think that I've got an okay, an operational walk with you. And I just, I don't really need any more. I'm okay, God. God, point them out. Because if you lean in close, Jesus will whisper to you which things need to change. He will give you the strength to move past those points you didn't think that you could move past. There is a psychology fact that applies to men. When men are in a situation where they feel scared, they get angry. That's our gut reaction. And there are times I think it can apply to us at a church that we get so almost fearful of the impact of the world that we just come off as angry. I want to lead with the things that I love. I want to lead with all the things that make my heart leap for Jesus Christ. Because that's what the world wants to hear. If you'll stand, we're going to pray. 
Before we pray, if you feel like you have been walking around stone in hand, not going to use it, but it has flown a few times, ask God to reveal it. You know, like imagine that. Like if I was going into Applebee's, imagine me walking into the bees. It'd be like, sir, you have to leave the piece of curb outside. You cannot bring that in here. Well, what about with God's house? What if like a door, you know, ushers are like, yeah, you can't bring that rock in here. It's just weird. Let us get to a place where we can identify it where those places where we're, we're tender, where we're easily offended, and those places that were so relevant that they fit in that category of offense that we haven't been able to get past, let God's grace begin to flow in situations so that the family can be here for family. Let's bow our heads. Father, right now I come before you, and I would ask that you would soften hearts that you would guide us to know, Lord, in times when we have been walking in anger and when we may have gotten it wrong. Right intention, wrong outcome. And Lord, I pray that you would convict us in the way that you specialize in. This is not about guilt. It's simply about a father coming to a son and saying, these are things that we need to change. And God, I pray for every time I've walked in with the stone in my hand that you would forgive me. When I've hit people that had nothing to do with it, with that stone, forgive me. And Father, help me to leave that thing out in the yard because I don't need it anymore. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.